Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Education Coordinator. Joining us today, are you going to heckle me anymore? No, no heckling. On how many takes is this? Okay, is our <laughs> Outreach and Events Coordinator, Emily Kroll, and our Director of Communication and Education, Anna Visser. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a great Friday. It's we're, a Friday. We've managed to keep straight faces for a grand total of, I think we're at... 20, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Not so counting the bumper music, so okay. Yeah, we're good. Well, um, we're laughing now, but we've got plenty of topics to talk about. Maybe not so much laughing. Um, we are going to talk about a abortion facility, a chain of them in Michigan, and their latest misadventures. We're going to talk about a brief to the Supreme Court. That's going to be riveting. Um a legal brief, and then we're going to start talking about uh, the Hyde Amendment. Not that we are just starting talking about it. We've been talking about it for a few months now. But now we're at where the rubber hits the road, and we have announced a new Save Hyde statewide campaign. Um, the Congress has decided the United States House of Representatives, they don't want the Hyde Amendment in the federal budget. They voted, it was a Venero vote, um, but not to include the Hyde Amendment, which means the Senate has to consider it yet, and then there has to be a lot of steps in between, but it means that if the Hyde Amendment is not included, along with a slew of other important pro-life conscience protections, it means your tax dollars will be directly funding abortions. It means there will be free, quote-unquote, free abortions in the United States of America. And, ladies, that means we know that abortions will massively increase. True story. So we are hoping and why we've started the Save Hyde statewide campaign is because we want everyone in the state of Michigan who has a conscience and doesn't want their taxpayer money going to fund abortion procedures to contact Congress, go to our website rtl.org and join the political action response team and let our representatives and senators know you support the Hyde Amendment. You don't want to be paying for other people's abortion procedures. So I, you know, I haven't done the park tool yet. I'm, I need to do that today. But um, my congressman, Peter Meyer, did the, he had an excellent article, little speech about the importance of it. And he kind of pointed out, and this is where this is going to go. So if the United States Senate, uh, or even within the Senate, there are a majority of senators support the Hyde Amendment. Are those two, three pro-life Democrats who support it, are they going to be willing to stand strong? Because the other side is going to basically threaten a government shutdown and say, we're going to refuse to vote for a budget unless it pays for abortions for the first time since 1976, which is how long the Hyde Amendment has been in the federal budget. So who's ready for a government shutdown fight? You know, it happens every couple of years. It's threatened to happen every year. It's kind of par for the course at this point, isn't it? So we should it be is. used to it, and we should hope that the pro-life people in Congress stay strong. That's really all we can do, other than contacting them. Will they? Will they? That's the question. 
Um, I worry a little bit about the, the three possible pro-life votes, votes from the Democratic Party. I know Joe Manchin before has had stances like this where he says, I support this, uh, this, this policy from the other side of the aisle, and he'll vote on the amendment, and then he'll also vote on the amendment to get rid of all the amendments. <sighs> which really, welcome to, to the game of politics in Washington, D.C., so they might pull that where they can say that they voted for the Hyde Amendment and then hope people forget that they also voted against the Hyde Amendment. So, Which is what happened in the pandemic relief bill, it which is. is funding abortions right now. Yes. For all we know. It'll take us a while for the, G the Government Accountability Office to eventually tell us how much money was spent on abortions in states that decided to use the money that way. Yes. This is why we need to pressure them. And of course, you know, uh, so we're asking you to contact your own congressperson and we'll just say that in Michigan there's probably not a um, persuadable member of our delegation one way or the other. Um, Maybe a couple need to be bucked up and encouraged. Encouraged, but uh, really, you know, the goal is you have to get attention for people to notice. And these three Democratic senators, who are Joe Manchin in West Virginia, Tim Kaine in Virginia, who, if you remember, was Hillary Clinton's running mate, and uh, Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, son of the actual pro-life Democrat uh, Bob Casey. Um, of great fame. So when you contact Congress, even, you know, we encourage you to call those three Democratic senators, but if your local congressman is getting inundated with calls, other people notice. And so that's one thing we have had one or two people say, well, you know, my representative is already pro-life or my representative is pro-abortion. They're just going to do whatever. It doesn't really matter if I call or I do this. It absolutely does matter, you know. You got to bother them until they, yeah. until they listen. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Mm -hmm. And when people are getting a lot of pushback, they lose their courage. Maybe they're not going to change their vote, but they're not going to push as hard for certain things. And that does add up, as we're going to talk about in a few minutes when we talk about uh, our brief and the Supreme Court case. Um Anything else we wanted to ha add besides? Well, we've talked about the Hyde Amendment a lot, but there's also those three oh, yeah, yeah. other amendments that go along with appropriation amendments, and they also pretty much have to do with funding of abortion, but they were also voted on, and they were not included in the budget like the Hyde Amendment. So it's the Weldon Amendment, the Smith Amendment, and the Dorian Amendment, and they all have to do with... Um, funding of abortion. So when you vote for the Hyde Amendment, also keep in mind, or when you contact your senators and your representatives, also keep in mind about those three other amendments as well and how important they are. And we're going to have an article up on our website today or next week kind of giving you an update on the status of and explaining in finer detail all of these things. There's, there's a lot of them. They have a lot of different names and it's just cutting off all these little streams of abortion funding and protecting conscience rights of healthcare workers. So if you're a hospital and you start to force your uh, nurses to help with abortions, you lose your federal funding. That's how it, it's supposed to work. Doesn't always work. No. Well, quick trend, there was that case in Vermont of uh, 
the nurse who was tricked into coming into the operating room to help with an abortion, and they didn't. The abortionist didn't tell her until like they already got started. They were already all they, scrubbed in. All they said was, "Don't hate me." Yeah, don't hate me after yeah. Because they knew that she didn't want to be doing it. Yeah, they purposely deceived her. So this is against the law. She sued. This is an open shut case, and then the Biden administration decided to drop the uh, the lawsuit um, and refuse to enforce federal law. So, hey, that's been a constant theme these last oh, wow. few days. What are these you know, things called? Laws, constitutions, bah. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think we're good on that. All one. right, we've been talking about it a lot. We're going to keep talking about it a lot. Our feature this month, we're going to actually do like a more in-depth thing about the Hyde Amendment, all these other amendments, the history, the back and forth. Um, so you are well equipped to talk to anybody about this topic, and you should be talking to everybody about this topic. Because if your money is going to be going to abortions, uh, you know, in Michigan we got rid of our state level uh, funding of abortion. Abortions dropped like a quarter. In two years, so picture. I think it was in one year. Yeah, it was almost. A, I think it was like twenty one percent or whatever in one year, and then mm -hmm. like by two years, it's twenty five percent. So let's project that there's eight hundred thousand abortions today. That could be another two hundred thousand abortions a year federally, just as a rough back of the envelope estimate. So don't be part of that. Be against that. All right. Uh, Courage and the lack thereof from the Supreme Court. Rights Life of Michigan has signed on to a brief uh, with the, let's see here, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, two pro life obstetricians and gynecologists. Am I missing anybody? I don't think no. so. Okay. A brief uh, sent to the United States Supreme Court arguing in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization uh, that is including, uh, excuse me, that's involving Mississippi's law banning abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Our brief is telling Supreme Court, overturn Roe versus Wade. Pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, it is to us. <laughs> it might not be to them, <laughs> but it really, it really comes down to Roe v. Wade, 1973, the case was decided, and because of that, the will of the people in Michigan was um, thwarted. Thwarted, that's a great word for it. The, <laughs> the election was overturned. They are, are, overturned a legitimate election. They overturned a legitimate... To use the way people talk about it these days. And it was not just a close election, a super majority of Michigan voters did not want abortion in Michigan. Not a single Michigan county voted to allow abortion in Michigan. So it was a pretty big deal when the Supreme Court said, hey, all you hundreds of thousands of Michiganders, <laughs> we don't care about what you want for your own state. Just weeks after our vote. Weeks. November of 1972, people voted. January 22nd, 1973, seven justices say abortion for any reason. They're only months pregnancy. Based on the emanations of the penumbra, or is it the penumbra of the emanations? I can never remember. I don't know. Does if they it even would matter? No, no, it doesn't even matter. So, what this the brief is asking the Supreme Court to do, and what 
many other briefs from a ton of different legislators and organizations around the country are all asking the Supreme Court to do is to overturn Roe v. Wade, let abortion legislation, regulation go back to where it should have stayed the entire time with the people of the states, and then hopefully it will end up with, will be like states like Louisiana and pass constitutional amendments into our state constitutions that say no abortion, and then, you know, work that one day up if we can get a, a super majority of people in the United States, a human life amendment in the U.S. Constitution. So mm -hmm. getting to that point, the first step is going to be getting rid of Roe v. Wade. Now, I will say that, so, almost universally, the pro-life brief said overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, <laughs> some of the briefs, interestingly, have suggested that the Supreme Court needs to use the 14th Amendment to apply it to unborn children and essentially ban abortion in all 50 states. Now, our brief didn't include that. I mean, if that were to happen, that would be great, but I doubt that there's not even Antonin Scalia was convinced that the 14th Amendment was clear about that. Um, I think our broader point overall, as, as Emily was talking about, is whether that would ever happen or not, whether that would happen down the road, sure, that's great, but in the end, we still need a constitutional amendment that specifically bans abortion. We cannot rely on... You know, interpretations and, yeah, and penumbras. Yeah. So, yeah, so so this whole emanations from penumbra thing, you know, it, it's so stupid. So, it's so stupid. It so, is. to the argument for Roe versus Wade was that there, the 14th Amendment, there are, uh, if you shine a light on the 14th Amendment, you know, there's like, this is a clear part of it, and then there's like when you shine a light, and there's the shadow, and there's the the kids making the edge of the shadow. Puppets. Yeah, where it's not really clear: is this the shadow? Is this the light? That's the penumbra, you know. Which so it's like their argument is: well, it's this sh it's this fuzzy gray zone around the amendment that is formed by emanations. Like I don't know. Apparently, the supreme the Constitution emanates stuff somehow you know but they they use these terms like everyone knows Roe versus Wade is ridiculous yes no one will defend it on the legal merits who's serious nobody not I don't know of a single person who would Ruth Bader Ginsburg won't defend it on the legal merits I mean she'll defend it on the result yeah but she didn't defend it on the legal like, merits like the president right now you know I don't care what the law says I don't care what the Constitution says you know I'm yeah. just gonna do whatever it's right in my own eyes. I mean, I feel like most people are going to agree with that because it's so political. You could come up with the stupidest reason. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter because it's political. And you can lie to the Supreme Court, which they did in the case, and gave faulty data, faulty history, faulty testimonies, really. And, you know, you can get away with it. So. Well, yeah, they tricked... Um, in the other really big case for that legalized abortion, they tricked the lady that was supposedly behind it. She didn't even want an abortion. Yep, Jane Roe. She never had an abortion. No. The, yeah. the Roe of Roe versus Wade. She kept saying, I want my baby, and her lawyer was like, well, you're the face of this case, so. 
Welcome to pro-abortion politics. If there's not someone in real life who we want or who wants what we want, we will make it up. Yeah. Well, our brief, not made up. Um, it was so the the legal team that we used because we're not lawyers, and you want to use a lawyer for these briefs was the Great Lakes Justice Center. And Professor William Wagner and Emily. I'm a fan. Emily, you were reading the brief. <laughs> I, and you were just exclaiming like every five seconds. Like, I will not. Oh, this is great. Oh, this line. Oh. I'm not going to lie. So I printed out the page with my favorite argument and I literally carried it in my pocket the entire weekend. <laughs> What's your favorite argument? Um, Their argument on overturning Roe was that the question doesn't come down to scientists and philosophers are going to debate over the scientific consensus is that human life starts at conception but the philosophical debate is but gray and the penumbras so some philosophers will say human life begins when the baby takes its first breath and then some will say conception and so what the brief argued is that you know, philosophers are going to philosophize and they're going to always argue no matter what. So don't take in the opinions of the philosophers because they will never agree. And basically what it says is, Supreme Court, whatever you decide, you are making a judgment on if a baby at 15 weeks is a human being. So look at the science. The science says a human being at conception. And no matter what you decide, if you decide that Mississippi's law banning abortion at 15 weeks is unconstitutional, then you are saying that a 15-week-old baby is not a human being. But if you say that you cannot kill a baby at 15 weeks, if you overturn Roe v. Wade, you are saying that a baby is a human being. And um, I really like the argument. You can go into our to the amicus brief. We have it up on the website um, in the press release that we released when we uh when the brief was sent in and you can read it for yourself it's like 50 pages um and unless you're like me and it's only like 30 come on it feels like 50 sometimes <laughs> but then again i've read like 12 amicus briefs uh from the different organizations at this point but if you really like that kind of stuff you could be like me get a metaphorical go team foam finger and start playing the fight music and have a good read that's basically what i was doing <laughs> now notice the difference here Emily has not had a lot of done a lot of legal things. Oh and no, she's she's like excited. Anna, you've had to read some legal briefs in your time. <laughs> I, and you, I've read you just my own briefs. I know you look kind of like traumatized, like by oh. Um, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I've written my own amicus briefs before, so I mean, reading it was interesting, and I really liked the argument of I wrote them down. Um, Roe has caused politicalization of the judiciary that undermines the court's institutional legit legitimacy. And that goes back to what we were just talking about. They, it's so involved in politics that you can't take them seriously. No. And I really like that argument about it. Well, I, I liked it. It was good. It was entertaining is, yeah. is entertaining as it a was. legal Well, because all of them are, you know, pretty right. strong law, right? And then you had the last one, and you're like, yeah, you're right, you know? <laughs> there was some personality in this yeah, one that I yeah. approved of. Yeah, that's how we roll. We're Michiganders. <laughs> we say it like it is. Right. Um, 
So uh, these Friends of the Court briefs, including ours, will be filed at the Supreme Court. Uh, sometimes Supreme Court justices, they read them, they'll use citations from them, uh, they'll take arguments from them. I don't know if they're going to take our insult to philosophers. Uh, <laughs> it's not an insult, <laughs> it's a statement of fact. I would agree. It's See? a fact, yeah. We'll have a philosophical debate about insulting <laughs> the philosophers. I mean, really, proves the point. You can read it, uh, but, you know, this case is, you know, it. we're saying, oh, it's going to be decided next year. It's going to be argued at the end of the year. It's only six months from now that could be decided. And so we could see the end of Roe versus Wade very soon or something less than that. Or more penumbras. We'll see. And we'll continue talking about it. All right, so let's move on to our final topic. Um Northland Family Planning is a chain of abortion businesses in Michigan who are only in existence, again, because not by the will of the Michigan voters, but because of the United States Supreme Court's decision. And while they kind of on their website, which is quite expansive, mm -hmm. hold themselves out as you know champions of women and whatnot, um, they... Emily are a stark reminder that abortion has its own risks. Serious risks. So Northland Family Planning thus far in 2021 have sent two women to the hospital that we know of. We do know that one of the cases, I believe it was the woman in May, May, there was one in May and one in June. One of the women, it was a late-term abortion and she suffered from a perforated uterus. Now, that's a hole through a uterus. Yes. So the abortionist there, they use the um, dilation and evacuation mm -hmm. procedure. So DNE, which we had a partition drive to try and end in the state of Michigan, where they put forceps up in the, in the uterus and tear a baby limb from limb and take it out piece by piece. Now, at that stage in development, the bones in the baby have hardened. So it takes quite a bit of force to, um, to tear the infant apart. And because of that, it's a very dangerous procedure because the, the abortionist is grasping around blindly in the uterus with a sharp tool. And unfortunately, not only do they kill an unborn child, but also they have the... the propensity to perforate the woman's uterus, put a hole in her uterus. There was a case um, in, I believe it was Mississippi or Louisiana, where the abortionist also perforated a woman's uterus and actually ended up grasping her artery in her hip. Um, she unfortunately died. So this, this case wasn't quite as bad as that, but they put a hole in her uterus. She was suffering terrible blood loss. Uh, she was unresponsive and so they called the ambulance and sent her to the hospital. Uh, luckily she survived. The second woman, we don't know the, how drastic the injury was, but we do know that she had significant blood loss and that she was also sent to the hospital. So no matter what people say and what the pro-abortion lobby will tell you, abortion is inherently dangerous to the woman as well as, of course, the ending of a child's life. You know, I think there was a couple more than two that in 2021 so far because I kind of went in deep yesterday and was <laughs> reading through all of their Google reviews of 
this abortion facility and a lot of people were saying you know I had complications they had to come get me in an ambulance and um, just people talking about all the different complications that they had and how the workers there just don't really care and you're basically a number so um, if you ever want to be entertained go read those reviews on Northland um, family planning because they're quite wild. Did you print any off? I did, actually. And one of them, I was shocked because you did a story on this, but I didn't know that they call um, pregnancy resource centers fake abortion facilities and want them to be shut down because they think that they're tricking women, which is crazy to me. So they actually... There was like one review where this woman was like, I'm so upset. You guys showed me all these pictures of like the baby's development and what it looks like in my stomach and made me feel like I shouldn't get it and made me feel bad. And then they responded. They respond to each review, which is very interesting. And um, they were like, <laughs> they put it in caps. It sounds like you were went to the crisis pregnancy center slash fake abortion clinic. And they were just like going off about how they need to be shut down and defunded. And I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, it's a very long-standing thing. The, the reason behind that is because crisis pregnancy centers or pregnancy resource centers, whatever you want to call them, they take business away from abortion clinics. Their purpose is to care for Well, they don't women. take the business. In the they, eyes... They provide stuff for free. Right, the they don't eyes, even have right. to pay for it. In the eyes they of the abortion They steal the customers, but they're, but they're not treating them as customers. So they're stealing customers. So from the pro-abortion perspective, the people running abortion businesses, they are hurting, like organizations that will care for women for free and give them options and, and give them resources is hurting the abortion business bottom line. So the campaign against pregnancy resource centers is long-standing. Um, every year there's youth, pro-abortion youth organizations that get together and have a whole campaign to leave fake Google and Yelp reviews for crisis pregnancy centers. And it's just, you know, People are trying to save babies, and the people who want to kill the babies don't like it. So what are you going to do? But it, it is interesting. They use the term fake clinic all the time. That's why in California they were pursuing for legislation to make pregnancy centers advertise for abortions. Um, it's, it's a long-standing tradition because it is, in their mind, hurting their business. So pro-life pregnancy centers... Are, are like are the Napster of the okay? That's an old reference. Is that a weird analogy? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, I won't make it again then. <laughs> um, so the owner of Northland Family Planning is Renee Chalian, who is a hardcore abortion advocate. You know, a couple couple years ago, someone attended one of her like workshops and caught her on camera talking about how she almost had to go out of business because she couldn't get rid of all the bodies of these aborted babies oh, wow. in a legal manner. And she joked about loading them up in a van and driving up north and lighting them on fire in a bonfire to get rid of them. Um, Lovely woman. Joke, just joking, you know, about the corpses of all these children who've died in her facility. Very sad. It is sad. It's very sad. Well, I'm sure there's going to be more 
women sent to the hospital from them. There so, have been in the past. There will be more. There in will the be more. Apparently, some that uh, you know they don't even get mentioned because, you know, as Anna was, was talking about, they don't. They the women are numbers. They come in. They don't want to have to deal with them for follow up. They don't have relationships with well, them. Well, and the woman, one of the women that reviewed it was like. They treated me so well as I was getting in the ambulance and were so kind to me and like helped me through my complications. And I'm just like, can't you see that they cause you to have to go into an ambulance? Why wouldn't you just, I don't know, blame them? Like they did this to you and said she was praising them. We live in a weird, weird world. We do. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week. Enjoy a wonderful Michigan weekend.